Ever ventured into your grandparents or your friend's parents' basement and just sifted through the absolute goldmine graveyard of old music stuff? We're talking records, radios varying in size, antennas, these totally alien pieces of equipment. There's this inherent novelty attached to this experience. There's just so much tangible evidence of how far we've come from analog to digital to you listening to this podcast right now. Throughout the history of popular music, the radio edit was and is a modification of a popular song to make it more suitable for radio airplay. This includes being adjusted for length, profanity, subject matter, instrumentation, or form. The history of the radio edit can be tracked back to the proliferation and popularization of the 7-inch single. Developed in 1949, the 7-inch 45 RPM record was released by RCA Victor as a smaller, more durable high-fidelity replacement for 79 RPM shellac discs. The first regular production of 45 RPM 7-inch was Pee-wee the Piccolo, pressed in December of 1948 at the Sherman Avenue RCA plant in Indianapolis. Once upon a time in the land of music, there lived a happy orchestra. instrument of all was Pee-wee, a little piccolo with eight buttons on his coat. And my, how those buttons could whistle. However, this 7-inch 45 RPM record had one downfall. If you wanted to record a song that was over five minutes in length, the sound quality would quickly deteriorate. This put an unofficial cap on the length of a single marketable song. Radio itself made a drastic change around this time as well. In 1950, 20% of Americans owned a television. By the 60s, that number had ballooned to over 90%, effectively replacing radio in the living rooms of the Western world. The era of Orson Welles and CBS radio dramas was over, and the modern radio format of focusing on news, talk shows, sports, and music had only just begun. By the early 1960s, AM and FM radio had developed the easy listening format. Running through the 1970s, this middle-of-the-road music included instrumental records of standards, hit songs, non-rock vocals, and instrumental covers of selected popular rock songs, mostly focusing on music that predated the rock and roll era. But when the rock and roll era began, it left this format far behind. By the beginning of the 1970s and throughout the 80s, radio programming formats expanded into other commercially successful variations. It's all contemporary, rock, urban contemporary, among others, spread to most AM and FM stations in Europe and North America. It was around this time that radio stations began to calcify into their own broadcast programming format. 
in order to cater to listeners in their cars and their commutes, and therefore only listening for 5 to 20 minute intervals, it was important to ensure that the whole gambit of a station's programming was presented in 15 to 20 minutes. This meant hearing news, sports, weather at the top and bottom of the hour, ad breaks every 12 minutes, network breaks, call-ins, DJ banter. You get it. In between, this meant that a station only had so much time left over for the actual music. Since the standard max length of a 7-inch 45 RPM was grandfathered in at 5 minutes, the perfect radio edit landed with the normal length of 3 to 5 minutes. Now obviously not every song written during this time or played on the radio since 1970 has been 3 to 5 minutes long. I think of Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody, Stairway to Heaven by Led Zeppelin comes to mind, Hey Jude by The Beatles, the list goes on. However, even modern songs, free from the confines of the 7-inch, are beholden to the 5-minute rule. Heroes by David Bowie fades in shortly before the beginning of the third verse, and fades out shortly before the vocal vamping at the end of the song. B.O.B.'s song Nothing On You featuring Bruno Mars this radio edit skips the first five seconds in which Bruno Mars starts singing the first chorus. The Man by Aloe Black skips the first full ten seconds as well as shortening the third chorus. Justin Timberlake's Mirrors cuts the entire You Are the Love of My Life part. And Juvenile's Back That Thing Up, Lil Wayne's outro is faded out 15 seconds too early. Now, clearly artists have never been advocates for cutting up their work, especially to fit a format. Notably, Billy Joel wrote in his 1974 song, The Entertainer. But on the flip side of this, there are artists who seemingly wrote the songs with the idea of the radio edit in mind. Anyone who's heard the 1986 song It's In The Way That You Use It by Eric Clapton knows it wastes absolutely no time with intros. Now, the 1980s were rife with this style, right? Developing a style of song intro that literally lent itself to be talked over. Play the first 15 seconds of your favorite song from the late 80s. See if it's like Hip to Be Square by Huey Lewis and the News. That punchy first 14 seconds were made perfectly for a DJ to finish their piece and intro the song to their radio listeners. In the biz, we call this hitting the post. Nowadays, digital over-the-air satellite and internet radio has again disrupted this model. The variety of genres available has varied to include everything from southern gospel to polka, but this three to five minute single still remains as industry standard for song length. 
even after the seven inch record and terrestrial radio are no longer the most popular mediums of music consumption. Nearing on almost a full year of COVID-19 adapted life. It sounds oh so much worse recognizing it out loud. But here we are. We rode the wave of a myriad of curious trends, some garnering more staying power than others, and you can likely think of a few. But aside from Tiger King and whipped coffee, we were more interested in the music side of things, so we asked colleagues from RX Music what they thought of when asked about the most popular songs in the past year. What was the most popular song of 2020? Blinding Lights by The Weeknd. Uh, Marshmallow featuring Halsey, Be Kind. Kyoto by Phoebe Bridgers. Uh, Dance Monkey, Tones and I. I think it's a tie between Doja Cat, Say So, and Savage. Probably say Dua Lipa's Don't Start Now. Turns out a lot of these hits turned up and stuck around for more reasons than just radio play. So when you think of TikTok, you might think viral dance trends or funny videos stitched together to music. But that's just it. You wouldn't watch TikTok on mute. There's the content and then there's the music. Music choice is an integral component in what makes a good video. Do you use TikTok? I do not use TikTok. (laughs) I'm not a TikTok user, but I do watch TikToks. Uh, I am not a user of TikTok. It seems to uh, not really be for me. I don't think anyone (laughs) would want to be watching me dance to, uh, you know, little viral sensations that are, yeah, I'm, I'm, (laughs) it's not my thing. I use TikTok only to view, but not to post. So TikTok has sort of become a longstanding catalyst platform to make things popular. Launch something into the public sphere and your odds are about as good as anyone's. So would you be prepared to become viral? What if TikTok landed you a record deal? So we decided to interview a variety of guests on the influence TikTok has had on their careers. We chatted with Jeff Kulowick, president of the Canadian independent label True North Records, who felt the wave of the sea shanties TikTok phenomenon. We also talked to Toronto-based DJ and content creator Devo D, Canadian indie folk artist Whaley, and Canadian pop sensation Jessia, whose original song went viral on TikTok and landed her a record deal. So my name is Jeff Kulovic. I'm the president of Linus Entertainment. We're a music company, group of labels, including True North Records, Stony Plain Records, Borealis Records, and the Children's Group. Particularly, I wanted to bring up the sea shanties craze. Um, I know we can't we can't ignore uh, specifically all the popularity that brought to to uh, Stan Rogers, who is on the True North Records roster. So, I just wanted to uh, ask you: Can you tell me a little bit about how things, how that was received, or um, what your introduction was to to TikTok working in the music industry? Uh, I've, I've been aware of TikTok talk since the the platform first started and and uh uh you know saw how uh, engaged younger people were with that the the platform and the sharing of video and and so we were very early in terms of trying to find a way to to promote our artists uh music on tiktok and uh we we found that it, it, the users of tiktok the kids 
they, they don't really like to be promoted too, and, and things evolve organically on the platform. So, you know, we tried to, you know, to create, uh, you know, reach out to influencers to try and get them to use our music and, 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 and create, you know, compelling viral theme videos, but none of it worked. So we just said, you know what, let's just, let's just let our music, you know, make it available for uh, users of TikTok and hopefully something will happen organically like it was happening with Fleetwood Mac or, or uh, some of the other, you know, songs of just, from older catalogs that have popped up. And, and lo and behold, come January, um, all of a sudden uh, the sea shanty meme started taking off and, and uh, people started discovering uh, Stan Rogers music and, and Barrett's Privateers is one of the classic sea shanties out there. So it had started getting shared on TikTok and, and people started creating sea shanty playlists on Spotify and, and, it, and it happened on its own because the song is great and it's an original classic and and kids just discovered it on their own so it wasn't something that we planned but we certainly are happy that it happened and at length we stood two cables away i wish i was in sherbrooke now heart cracked four pounders made an awful din but with one fat ball he angst over sin god damn them all i was told we'd cruise the seas for american gold we'd fire no guns Shed no tears, now I'm a broken man on a Halifax pier, the last of Barrett's privateers. We want to explore sort of what what do you think that will change? Um, you're obviously a veteran in the music industry. You've seen lots of different technological innovation happen. This seems to be the next craze, right? TikTok is the current. This is the way to blow up if you're lucky. Do you think in any way this is this is changing the way artists or producers are, are approaching the way they write? Oh, I, I think absolutely. I think uh, the you know the the medium is the message. I forget who was who quoted that, but um, the way people consume music or, or listen to music, you know, changes with technology and. You know, I, I'm I'm an old guy, so I'm, I don't go back to piano scrolls. But certainly, you know, when vinyl when vinyl was uh, succeeded by cassette tapes, uh, that was driven by the mobile uh, music experience because you could put a cassette tape in a Sony Walkman. And then when CDs arrived, it was a you know a, a quality and capacity thing that you could still carry it around in a mobile CD player, but you could also put a lot more music on it. And streaming uh, downloads came in. The MP3s uh, revolutionized the business, and then streaming came in because it was just so much more convenient. And through each each change in the consumption patterns of music has led creators and musicians to to ad adapt to ways to capitalize on the platform. So now with streaming, you see, you know, a lot more music being created by basically newcomers to music, you know, emerging musicians who don't necessarily uh, know how to, you know, play a piano sonata or play a guitar, but they know how to create a beat on their laptop and they know how to sample a vocal and they know how to do all those things. So it's it's uh, it's evolved in the in the creative process. Now you see a lot of music coming out that that's more more driven through uh, non-organic playing instruments. It's all done 
mostly through you know computer samples and sounds and beats and tracks and mm -hmm. and very little is actually done in a recording studio with musicians that have been practicing their instrument and honing their skills for a long time so I, I think that you know it's going to continue to evolve I also think that you know kids are gonna are, are not attached to any particular genre anymore if they can be digging a sea shanty or a Fleetwood Mac song at the same time as they listen to the weekend or uh, you know the the you know the latest hit driver's license or whatever it happens to be. Mm -hmm. I think that's a good thing, right? I think people can experience all kinds of music and and uh, and enjoy it for for whatever reason they like. It makes me think too, like this DIY aspect of being able to produce entirely out of your bedroom like i'm recording this podcast like especially with um the effects of covid we're seeing a lot of people have to adapt in that way yeah well the way the way that music is consumed now digitally through streaming services there's a whole range of analytics and daily analytics that are available to music uh distributors like us and even right down to the musicians that you can actually monitor your stream count um if you go on Spotify, you know, you can daily see how many people are following you. Uh, it's transparent now that you can see the impact and the music. It's it's an immediate. You don't have to, you know, back in, you know, 20 years ago, you had to get a sales report from a retail store to know if your music was connecting. Mm -hmm. uh, now you just have to open up your laptop. It make, makes it challenging um, from an A&R perspective to to discover new artists and and sign them on you know on the base of, base of their you know just their aesthetics and their their musicality uh you see now uh, a lot of novelty hits happening overnight you know whether it's uh, uh what was that uh, you know dance monkey or mm -hmm. or the what was the cowboy one that was from last year uh, um i forget what it was called Old now <laughs> Right. Yeah. So these things exploding overnight and, and uh, you know, becoming huge cultural memes. But, you know, I, I, I don't know that it the, the, there's a lot of staying power. These artists, you know, that uh, uh, that one day they're an amateur musician, you know, working a day job. And the next the next instant that they're, you know, fairly wealthy and, and the top of the charts everywhere. Are, are are they going to be a viable? Will people remember who they are and, and will they want to engage with that artist a year down the road? That's that's something I, I, I just don't think that there's going to be a lot of long-term careers uh, built on the this sort of short-term instant grat kind of uh, consumption model that, that TikTok has, right? The, the attention span uh, is so short now that people want their content and uh, or they're, they're engaging with content that's, you know, 10 seconds long, you know, has, has a quirky dance move. You know, they're not necessarily, you know, digging into an artist, reading the liner notes on a vinyl album cover and listening to the whole, what, what the artist's message is for a whole, you know, hour long presentation of their music and where they are. Uh, it's becoming much more of a slice and dice culture. I'm a, I'm a, an interested observer, but I'm also, you know, looking to, to work with artists that I believe are long-term sustainable artists of stuff, uh, artists of substance. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm not one uh, that is chasing the latest TikTok hit. Can you think of something specifically that you look for when, when you're sort of seeking out someone new or somebody catches your eye, maybe 
on a video or that you've seen live? Is there something for you personally? Well, yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm um, what's called a song guy or a song person, I guess would be the correct way to, to, to say it. I like songwriters that are pr prolific and that they write a lot of songs and they write good quality songs that you know that they craft that that it's it's uh you know they have something lyrically to say and present in an interesting way so i'm driven i'm driven to that and i think you know a, a song can connect emotionally much deeper than than just a instrumental beat or a piece of music or you know whether, even if it's a classical piece when the lyric speaks to you and it and it's uh, performed in a real emotional way i think there's no stronger uh, there's no stronger uh, connection can be made to a to music or an artist than than through that you know then secondary i i like to to look for you know uniqueness that you know an artist or songwriter is presenting their music in a way that if it's unique and they're they're you know uh, being innovative and presenting it in, in a way that is interesting and doesn't sound like anybody else that's also what i look for especially now um i guess i'm relating it more towards being in lockdown how that speaks to the music industry in corresponding with scouting i guess it i think it probably takes a little more um work am i correct in saying that well yeah the, there's no seeing live music now it's all on the screen and and uh so that whole visceral experience of being in a crowd, you know, when you feel that you're in a special event, um, you can't really replicate that through a screen, I don't think, or I haven't experienced it anyway. So, so, um, but it, it's changed a lot how ANR has done it. You know, used to I used to go, you know, uh, out to Lee's Palace or the Horseshoe Tavern and run around and see multiple artists and showcases and all of that stuff. But but now you can sample an artist's music. You know, it's very easy for them to put their music up on platforms, whether it's SoundCloud or Spotify, mm -hmm. um, or even Bandcamp, and and uh, you can listen to what people are doing. It's making for a lot more creators out there that are that are creating. There's more there's more new music being created now than than ever before, just because you know that barrier of having to go into a studio to record a band is not there anymore, right? So uh, you can do it instantly, and you can get your music make it available to anybody around the world to hear. Uh, trying to get above the noise of everybody else that's promoting music is, is quite a challenge. I'm not gonna ask for help Cause all you're gonna say is you're perfect And oh, you're so worth it but Sometimes I hate myself I get inside my head And I think that I somehow deserve this Every other song Canadian singer-songwriter Jessia. I'm Jessia and I'm a singer-songwriter from Vancouver, Canada and I've just released a new single called I'm Not Pretty. I've um, effectively had your song stuck in my head since we scheduled this interview so that's like five days now <laughs> amazing essentially um in this episode we're just diving into the world of tiktok and obviously it's inherent influence on the music industry and you know the way it's been able to sort of bring artists forward um sometimes accidentally sometimes it's just like a great video gets discovered or a great song um and 
obviously with I'm Not Pretty, you're a perfect candidate to sort of dive into how has this changed your life? Um, so just how, how are you feeling right now? You've had a lot going on in a pretty short amount of time. So what's that been like? Yeah, um, it's pretty surreal still. I'm like just trying to take it all in. The fact that it's all happened in in a month. <laughs> like I guess it's been a month and a half now, but it's it's been a pretty uh pretty wild ride. Um yeah, TikTok is amazing for that. Like the fact that it can just reach so many people so fast. I've I heard all of these stories and stuff and just dreamed of this. And then having it actually happen to me is like I still am pinching myself. It's still not real. <laughs> what were you sort of thinking about when you joined? Because you've obviously been writing songs for a while. What were your thoughts on it in terms of just, you know, seeing what the app was like? Yeah. Um, I mean, I realized that like the app was pretty much controlling the music industry. Like every single viral song that was on TikTok was hitting the charts on like Spotify and Apple and Amazon. And so I was like, okay, let's try and use this as a tool. And the fact that TikTok's got a really cool platform where it's able to give you a first chance every single day or every single post that you do. It's always just like another chance to do it. It doesn't matter like how many followers you have or how many views your last video did. It's just very, very random. And that can be frustrating at times because like trying to break TikTok, I was like, what is even happening? How? I've pretty much realized that every single video that I'm like, oh, I'm just going to throw it up and it's probably not going to do very well does extremely well. And then every video that I put like so much effort in and I'm just like, this is going to be it. It's not it. So um, it's really strange that way. But yeah, you can't you can't calculate TikTok at all. I mean, at this point, you have almost like, what, 589,000, like something insane like that. Like when you initially posted, you know, that video of you singing that um, your hook to I'm not pretty, where were you in like, where was your vision for that song or sort of what were you thinking about at that point? Yeah. So I wrote the song on January 1st and I posted it on January 1st. And I think that that's the fastest I've ever just been like, I'm just going to post this and see, cause like you should post every single day. And so, yeah, this was the first song that I had never like had finished before I posted it. And it was kind of like when it started blowing up, I was like, no, 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 no. Like it was like a leak. And I was like, stop, no, no, no. This isn't the one that you want. Um, just cause it wasn't done. And it put a lot of pressure on me to like write the rest of the song and, and have it finished pretty fast. But, um, I loved it. It was, it was something that, that I've been, been wanting to, to talk about forever and, and that's, that is important to me. And so I'm glad that the message is now able to be heard around and, and shared. So the next part of, of that story was you got connected with Elijah Woods, right? Yes. And just in this mysterious world of the internet, you guys were connected and he saw what you were up to and was obviously like, I want to be a part of this. How did that sort of unfold yeah, he saw me on his For You page and then he started producing it. And I was just expecting him to like, just like put guitar behind it. And then he like fully <laughs> produced it. And I was like, this is insane. Yes, a hundred times, yes. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I didn't have the verse written or anything. So the fact that he jumped on board put even more pressure on me of being like, this needs to be finished. Like, don't mess this up. And so, yeah, but but we wrote the song within 48 hours and um, 
he was amazing to work with. Like he is such a genius and, and we're, we're currently writing some more things. So I'm really excited for that. And, and yeah, he's, he's, I can't say enough good things about him. He's, he's magical. (laughs) And was that, was that all virtual? Like just for that song? Wow. I recorded my, my vocals in my high school bedroom and yeah, I just sent them off to him and, and he made them sound amazing. (laughs) And yeah, it was pretty crazy. That is crazy. Just, just the way things can be added up. It's like, I'll give you this thing. I'll give you this thing. We didn't know each other 24 hours ago. And then the finished product. (laughs) Completely, completely. And like, yeah, it was funny. Like I would be like sending him like increments. I'd be like, okay, here's the chorus. And then like, here's the first verse. And I'm like, I'm waiting on the second verse. I haven't written it yet. And so then like, finally, after the second verse is written, like, it's just, yeah, it was really funny, but he's, he was all for it. Totally all for it. (laughs) Yours project was particularly unique because you're spearheading a topic that's not typically talked about in pop, right? Like pop is supposed to be heartbreak or lust or dance and upbeat. And you were able to sort of mash all those, the same, you know, components of a good pop song, but your message is, I thought like a lot more poignant than you're, than we're used to hearing on radio. So were there ever, ever any times where you were doubtful about the reception or... Yeah, for sure. I mean, I remember I was I was staying at, at my parents' place at the time and I came down and I was like, these are the verse lyrics. Like my two lyrics that I was questioning the most was I can't seem to find weight without literally starving. And I was like, is this too much? Like, can I can I address this? And she was like, yes, this needs to be talked about. And and it's time. I mean, like it's, it's 2021. Just do it. Yeah, I did that. And then the other one was because all you're going to say is you're perfect and oh, you're so worth it. And I wanted it to be in coming from a place of like having sometimes when you're just feeling so down, like having that validation from an outside source is maybe not what, what you need and not what you want at that time. And, and it's all about your own journey of self-love and all about the the connection between your mind and your body. And, and it's a really, really hard journey and, and it, it takes time and effort, but I'm really excited that, that we're able to talk about this now and we're able to promote that. It's like, it's how you feel about yourself that matters the most. Mm-hmm. And how did you find the reception once the full song was put out? Um, I guess oh. in a TikTok perspective. It was, it was beautiful. I didn't realize how, how powerful the song was. I just wrote it because I was feeling bitter. And (laughs) I mean, it didn't start really like, oh my God, moments until I saw like postpartum mothers jiggling their bellies in the camera and just loving themselves. And, And now I've gotten like teenage boys who are reaching out about their eating disorders and how I've helped them through. And, and, it's just topics that you don't really think about and, and people and, and minorities that you don't really think about until they reach out and they're like, this has helped me. And I'm like, I'm, this is so much bigger than just, just me and this song. And I'm so thankful. It's not all like rainbows and happiness. Sometimes we're all human. But I was curious, like after, you know, this whole phenomenon, um, you know, seeing how well a song that you wrote could do just from like that one hook and obviously you know people recognizing like wow like she's got something here that I would listen to that that's catchy like how do you how is that sort of affecting your approach when you're writing now like now that you've seen what something can do at the beginning of a project has your songwriting process changed at all um I mean 
I'm writing a lot more with Elijah, which is beautiful. And and him and and Ryan, Ryan Tedder's jumped on board now. So yeah, we'll um, address that next. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that's just a little like tidbit, you know, just Ryan. Um, he's he's amazing. Um, but honestly, like they've just it's beautiful the fact that both of them are like we don't want to step on on you and and Ryan has has made that incredibly clear and it's it's like in, just incredibly gratifying to for him to be like you do you girl and I'm just going to like try and support you where I can and it's beautiful and um I mean I've always been a selfish songwriter I write songs to get me through the day and so it's just an added bonus for other people to identify with it and and a lot of my songs are about like real topics and and I like talking about the nitty gritty stuff and so that's that's definitely a thing that I'm really not wanting to change is is my songwriting it landed a record deal am I right yes Yes, it did. It ran, it landed um, a very, very lovely record deal. <laughs> um, yeah, they are my dream. Like Republic is my dream. I can't believe that I can actually say that I am signed to Republic Records. I've been admiring their artists and what they do for years. And so, yeah, the fact that I've got a joint partnership between Ryan Tedder and Republic Records, like even saying this out loud is like, what are you even doing? Like, this is crazy. But yeah, I've got I've got a really lovely, lovely team and, and we're all one big family and it's beautiful. Once in a lifetime, right? Every single morning I wake up and I'm just like, is this still real? Like, do people still like me? Like, I'm just waiting to wake up from the dream. And like, it's it's kind of starting to be a reality, which is nuts. In a post-COVID world, what, what are you most looking forward to with uh, making music? I want to go and like get into like actual rooms with people and get vibes like Zoom Zoom writing sessions are really fun but there's nothing like just sitting on a couch and just like making really cool music together. It's really really fun. Um also touring Oh my goodness. Like one thing you got to know is I have like the biggest travel bug ever. And so to be able to travel the world and also play music and inspire people is just like, what is my life? So I'm really, really excited for that. And and just live shows and feeling that energy. And like, I didn't realize how much I, I missed people applauding, which is, it's not coming from like a, I need validation, but just like having that, like, that beautiful energy of me creating art and showing showing this to people and us all just being reciprocating like off of each other yeah and just being in that moment together it's it's really beautiful you're doing the thing and i'm really happy for you and also another canadian female artist yes 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 we need more of those definitely that i should be another kind of way maybe i'm not Devo D, Canadian DJ and content creator. My name is Devo. I'm an entertainment host, uh, digital creator. Uh, I've been doing my my digital content stuff for now about 10 years. It all starting off with me wanting to become a, a much music VJ host. That, that those were the goals and back in the day. And, you know, it's kind of grown into me becoming a digital creator now and creating content for a bit of a following online. So just to focus the lens a little bit more on sort of your sector with the entertainment and content creation, uh, it mm. seems to truly 
seems like your background truly speaks to your your passions, as you said, with you know interviewing artists and being inspired by much music and doing media gigs. How's your background prepared you for producing on TikTok today? First of all, great question. Thank you. Uh, it, it's uh, it's been it's been a long time in the making. Let me say, <laughs> I just feel like there's been an opportunity, um, or there was an opportunity a few years back uh, when social media was all kind of really starting to to dig in and see what was traditional back in the day as television to really be, um, uh, I guess, to translate that sort of culture online and and i you know you have the early lily singh and king batch and like a lot of these early creators who understood that so that was kind of myself i i was in the same situation where i understood hey there's going to be a culture online and uh, there's going to be a lot of eyes online and that's where everyone's going right now so it's been it's been i've been doing this now for about 10 years and yeah there's you know there's the middleman is no longer needed. Long story short, really. So that's where I see TikTok coming in as a great platform to help a bunch of emerging creators, even like myself. I'm an artist as well. All right, party boys, mm-hmm. turning up. <laughs> that's what we're all about. And uh, we found very creative ways like TikTok to you know help us out. Mm-hmm. And so for you, was there ever a turning point when you were like, I am going to be behind on this if I don't hop on this today? Was there anything for you <laughs> that was significant in like in that way? Yes. My first like like my, my first love for social media was like Twitter back mm-hmm. in the day. And um, just seeing a bunch of being able to interact with your favorite celebrity or digital crew or at the time, digital creator wasn't really a thing. But you're more traditional celebrity. So movie star, athlete. You know, you're just able to like tweet them. You know, mm-hmm. that was just a thing. It was a possibility. And obviously now it's grown into its own little thing where the the digital creators are now the new celebrities. And it's that same sort of access. And that's something that for me growing up, like I mentioned before with Much Music, Much had, you know, their slogan was that much closer. And it mm-hmm. was because they did bring you that much closer to your favorite celebrity or digital creator or whoever it was. And so... This is what social media is doing. And so for me, Twitter was that. And since I've jumped on, I have not looked back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now 10 years later, we're here. So this, it's, it's been great. I know you, you've uh, written that your mantras reveal the possibilities, diminish the limitations, which kind of reminded me when you said uh, that much closer, sort of just bringing you like... Mm-hmm here's an opportunity, what are you going to do with it? Um, so what, just like, what does that mean to you as a content creator? How do you carry that mantra forward? I guess the responsibility all of us have, because you, ha- you have a lot of, you have a lot of eyes, you know, um, and you want to be able to deliver a message through your content uh, where people are either learning something um, or being entertained in a way that's a, a, a positive manner. Uh, and obviously you wanna do it safe. So that's something that my management and I strive for and I always try to do my best to connect, you know, whoever it is, that's kind of a slogan of mine that I, I like to use as well. I try to connect people to their favorite digital creator or celebrity, mm-hmm. being that digital creator, being that middleman online. It's it's very important, it's a culture. For me, it's, it's, it's just, it's about, having culture. 
Mm-hmm. And I, I think um, if, if you have a really positive direction for where you're bringing a lot of your content, you're okay. And that, that even goes towards the way you employ, you know, music in your videos too. Is there a way that you, is there a golden rule that you live by, by just like, how do you stay relevant when there's just so much information, so many videos, so many things coming out? Like you've, you've been in the game, like you said, about 10 years. Is there something, is there a way that you can manage that? I I always like to say, do or create the content you want to create. I know there's like trends we try to follow and copy and there are amazing trends out there. You try, you fail, you keep going. There's really no algorithm or calculation. Everyone thinks there's like this kind of written rule. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you just tr- honestly, it's, it's about creating what you want to create, having those formulas of positivity and giving, giving, giving as, as much as you're giving. Um, and I try to do that through our music and through the entertainment aspect of my content. It's, it's getting love. So mm-hmm. I've, that's my formula. Anyone else's formula could be different, but uh, the the best way of doing this is just doing something you you love, and you know, be consistent at it, and you'll be all right. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about the trends; they'll come and they'll go. I guess that is the beauty of it too. Is you know, you can keep your finger on the pulse, but if you miss one, you can sort of hop on the other one, <laughs> or if exactly. you're lucky, that's... start it. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's it's you know that's. That's where, like, the you know, the, the golden nugget is, is obviously wanting to start one. It's funny. I, I think it was either, like, a Drake verse that I, I heard the other day, but it was just, like, him essentially saying he's not in competition with trends anymore. He's in competition with himself, mm-hmm. you know? And that's kind of the mindset you want to have. You want to be in competition with yourself. How, how can I do better next? And even if it's a percent better, that's kind of the angle you want to go towards. So... If that's if that's advice that I could give, follow the trends, be consistent, but you know, enjoy what you're doing and do what you love. And the more I've explored it, I've realized how versatile this platform is for content creation yes. and and that's when I got hooked and excited and the way people were using music in interesting ways and the that even goes like to the educational side too and um, I noticed that with your most recent series um, for Black History Month, and I was like, "What? That's so cool! Like, he has Thank so you. many people he can reach to, and he can highlight the people that he thinks aren't getting the spotlight, or that he wants to give more shine to. Like, that's such a smart way of directing, you know, an influence as well. So I just that like opened my eyes too, because I'm not even a user. I just like watch. <laughs> that, that's amazing. Thank you. No, that's. That's exactly what, and I, that's the, the mentality I have towards social media. It's an opportunity for us to be able to share examples like that. Mm-hmm. And it's tough. Again, you try to follow these trends because you want the viewership, but I've always encouraged just, you know, do what you want to do. And I thought it would be a great way to kind of launch this series. Actually, I've been really wanting to do this for a longer time and Throughout my career, I've always dropped some Easter eggs with black culture moments and great moments within within our our community Mm -hmm. um, of people that I've looked up to that, you know, help motivate me do what I'm doing. And so now, you know, I just made the decision to say, you know what, Black History Month, let me start this series. For me, it's going to be something I do all year round, but I do want to start it off 
and also highlight our Canadians. You know what I'm saying? Like, we got a rep, you know, there's amazing people obviously around the world, you know, starting off with black, that Black Excellence series, you, you hear your traditional, you know, Martin Luther King, Barack Obama, and, you know, even some of the, the great ones recently, I was, you know, Usain Bolt, like you just hear some of the traditional, and there are some great local, even nationwide, even international ones that people don't even know are Canadian. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know what? I know there's a kid at home, and I'm glad that, you know, you were one of the people that looked at it and said, this is a cool series because that's what I wanted. Mm-hmm. I just wanted that one kid to be like, you know what? I want to be like Tyrone Edwards or I want to be like Tracy Moore. I want to be like Mustafa the Poet. Like, mm-hmm. it's just, it's uh, it's it's great. So thank you because that's motivating to hear. Mm-hmm. And and that's something that I continue to to look forward to pushing. Mm-hmm. And uh, And then being super patriotic, I, you know, I want to do it home. I want to do it here in Toronto. And so again, it, it does help when Drake and, you know, all those guys, they stay here. Sean Mendes, Alessia Cara, it, it, it really helps emerging creators, Humble the Poet. It, it helps us get motivated to create um, and just do it here. Trying to be as interactive with the platform like TikTok, because again, TikTok just removes the middleman for you and just introduces you to like the world. Is there something once we're all able to safely get back out there after COVID, after COVID, is that what we're going to call it? I know, uh, right? <laughs> is, yes, is there something, yes. <laughs> is there something you're uh, most looking forward to once just like hit the stage again to DJ or yeah. just interview people in real life or something like that? All of that, all of that being able to, you know, one thing I'm going to, and my manager is going to hate me, but like, I, I want to crowd surf. I, 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 it's, you know, just now in this time, obviously that's just going to be very hard, but it's just, I miss that community. I miss that communal feel, mm-hmm. you know, shaking someone's hand. I, I know I get it. Now you could look at it like, oh my gosh, but. I think of the night the Raptors won and I'm like, that wasn't in this life. Like I can't. <laughs> like everybody showing up to the office the next day first of all we went to the office then huge you knew nobody went to work even our prime minister like nobody like everybody was just chilling like everyone knew the next day don't talk don't call it like enjoy this moment Whaley, Canadian indie folk artist. Hi, I'm uh, I'm Whaley, or Andrew Sheriff, and uh, I'm a musician. I'm an indie folk artist. Was there a moment for you when you realized that you needed to get on the app to sort of continue propelling your career or your craft? Absolutely, yeah. Um, that's a funny one because I Whaley is a new project for me, so I was. Before Whaley, I was performing under my own name, Andrew Sheriff. And I, I had a couple other projects in the past, but Whaley was a fa- fairly new thing for me that I just started actually when COVID started to happen in uh, March of 2019. Uh, I was kind of starting from scratch. I didn't have any socials. I didn't have any following, anything like that. So I, I got on Instagram and uh, I was on all the kind of standard stuff. And, and, and I noticed it had been much slower of a start than in the past when I had had my previous projects, um, which I'd had some success with on social media. 
and uh, a bunch of people had been telling me to get on TikTok. I'm not, I'm not, I guess, part of the older generation, but I'm 25 now. And in TikTok age, like that's, you're at the very, the, the top, right? So it's just like, I was kind of, kind of against it. But uh, finally, after like, I would say it was like six months of, of convincing, I hopped on TikTok in October, I think it was, of 2020. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I had absolutely no idea what I was doing on there at first. Slowly, I started to kind of get the hang of TikTok and see really what it's all about. It's it's a completely different platform than than any other social media. Uh, like Instagram has been so slow, and you're posting such uh, refined and curated content on Instagram, and mm-hmm. it's become such a. It's kind of like you're watching TV almost on Instagram. You got to deal with ads every like thirty seconds. So it's kind of become this thing where people. Just don't find it that genuine anymore at least that's how i feel on instagram and the difference with instagram and tiktok is tiktok is just completely raw unfiltered genuine content and you're not having ads shoved in your face and i i really started to notice a difference uh between tiktok and any other social media platform and what it could do for music when i figured that out it becomes pretty clear that TikTok seems to be more, um, like you said, more raw and, and candid and people are leaning more towards that. It's kind of like almost a reflection of, especially the last year or so with COVID people are just like, let's just cut through the BS guys. (laughs) Funniest thing that I always hear people say about TikTok is really, you have no idea who's on there because it's such a different algorithm. It's not pushing your content out to your followers and only your followers. It's almost a complete opposite. Your post, it's putting your your post out to complete strangers that haven't seen your content before, that don't know who you are. So you can kind of just be yourself and no one's going to judge you for that. And if you're not completely on brand with what you were doing the first post you made, it doesn't matter because the same people aren't going to see it, which is the... The weirdest thing about the app and also the most incredible thing about the app is because mm-hmm. you, every time you post, you're posting to a new market in theory. You're not just posting to the same people and trying to hook in one or two new followers. For sure. I mean, I'm I'm 25 also, so I also feel like I'm just barely on the cusp of like being relevant on it. Um, and truthfully, I only I got it once once we decided we were going to focus on this for this podcast, I was like, all right, I'm so behind. Let's see what's up. Um, and I've been totally blown away by just how diverse the content is and what it's done for, you know, I've hearing so many positive stories for musicians. It's been good. Uh, it started off with me just put random posts. Like I, I do do some lake surfing here on the Great Lakes. So when I initially got TikTok, I was posting just like really nice looking clips of that and kind of just, I was taking clips that I already had previously made and maybe put on Instagram and kind of formatting them for TikTok. And I wasn't really seeing any success there because, you know, I think what really matters on TikTok is, well, a couple things. Yeah, it has to be short because people's attention span is really short on there. Uh, you want to show you kind of like your face. You want to be engaging the audience in a way. You want to. You kind of want to make the audience feel like the video is exactly made for them. Mm-hmm. And I think I had that completely wrong at the start. I was just posting nice looking videos 
with no real engagement kind of call to action on there. So yeah, it was, I've been doing that for probably like three months and I was having seen no success. It was super frustrating to be on an app where you're seeing people go viral for the stupidest things. Really, there's things on there that just blow my mind that they're viral, but they are. Mm -hmm. And then you're working really hard as an artist to put out your really nice content and, it, and nothing's getting seen. So that, I kind of had to take a step back and think about it and be like, well, this isn't TikTok. TikTok is completely different. And like you said, I started posting these little things and it, it all started actually on January 3rd. I know the exact date because I posted a video. Like you said, I said, hey, if you're from Canada, if you like these artists, if you like doing these sort of activities, then you probably will like my music because I love doing those things and that's what I make this music for. And just that that call to action there with these three different things, mm -hmm. uh, you know, people just see that and they it makes them want to want to comment and want to listen. And and that was my first video to blow up on TikTok. I had 400 followers on January 3rd. And within like three or four days, I had surpassed 10,000 followers oh my God. on TikTok just because of this one video, which it, it isn't my biggest video to date, but at the time it was, it had like 230,000 views and it had tons of likes, like 40,000 likes. And the main thing was all these comments were coming in, like thousands and thousands of comments, people like, oh my God, I'm from this part of Canada. And I, I love those things and I listen to your music and it's great. And where can I find you? And you, you kind of see this correlation now coming in from TikTok over to Spotify. All of a sudden my Spotify is like spiked mm -hmm. and I'm getting these inboxes on Instagram and it's all kind of like intertwining. And I was, that was the exact moment where I'm like, holy Moses, I got to take advantage of this app. It's more than I thought it was. I think those those videos like that mean so much more than taking, let's say, your a little clip from your best live session or what whatever it is and putting it on TikTok. That that's people can see the laziness in that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they, they don't buy into it. So I've tried it and I still do, and it never works. You gotta you gotta you gotta format it to be a TikTok, not a video that you're putting on TikTok. You put this Canadian angle on it too, which I think was which, you know, fits in perfectly is you're living here, um, you're from here, and it's it's so relatable, especially like anything Canadian winter is like, there's a whole community behind you for argument's sake being like, yeah, it does get that cold. And then you came out being like, but also I'm lake surfing and everyone, I think that's when everyone was like, that's not real. Let me actually give you a little bit more of a backstory just to line it all up. Um, I was, like I said, performing under my own name, Andrew Sheriff, for a long time. And I was in another, like an indie folk duo called Andrew and Veda. And we're having some good success with both of those things. Uh, in 2018, I think it was, like I was like pretty deep into the songwriting world. So I was going to, to LA uh, like a couple times a year in Nashville, and kind of all over Ontario, just songwriting constantly with people. And mainly in like pop country world and that mm -hmm. sort of thing. But it just, I really began to develop this appreciation for the craft of like intense pop songwriting and just how good some of these songwriters were. And, and then this, how good the songs turned out. And like, cause there's a lot of people that there's a huge misconception that pop music, there's no talent behind it, but their actuality is there's like the top talent is behind it, which is crazy. So I kind of said to myself, 
because I was always performing in like these uh, Roots Americana projects. But I thought to myself, oh, it'd be so cool to, to just take a crack at like a more poppy genre and have fun and do that, that sort of big anthem style uh, songwriting. And like, I just started to really enjoy that. So I, I felt like I needed to start a new project, which is where Whaley came from. And I started working on Whaley in 2018. Behind the scenes, I didn't even have the name for Whaley yet. I started working with this uh, producer and engineer out of Toronto. His name is, is Tal Weisman. I, I could tell, like, I've always been kind of like a skater, board, sports, snowboarder type of guy. And uh, I could tell, like, just when I first saw him, just by the way he was dressed and looked, I'm like, oh, this dude's totally in the same world as me. And we got to talking and turns out he's from Israel. And he moved to Canada when he was like 22 or something like that. And we started talking about surfing because I also, I also used to live in Australia and uh, said, man, I, I freaking miss surfing so much. Like, I wish, I wish I could do it more often, but I can't. And he's like, dude, I heard about this thing, lake surfing. Have you ever heard about it? And I said, yeah, I've heard about it. I, I never could get into it. I didn't have anyone who was doing it. I, I don't know much about it. Do you? And he's just like, well, I met someone who's into it. I'm going to go try it out and uh, you should, you should come with me. So yeah, it's been great ever since we've been best buds. We surf like three or four times a week, depending if there's waves. And it's wow. also been a great tool for TikTok because it's so unique. And I always wanted to make Whaley kind of like a surfy fun kind of like happy type of vibe mm -hmm. because my other stuff in the past had been so like dark kind of like sad country farm boy type thing if that makes any sense <laughs> but I didn't know how I was going to incorporate surfing into Whaley if I couldn't surf so it kind of just all happened at, all at once and just worked out and the thing about it is yeah in the winter you you go in and you get these like ice tusks like you look like a walrus and it's just <laughs> You, you post a video of that and people see that and they're instantly drawn to it. They're like, what the heck is going on? It almost doesn't matter what the video is. It doesn't matter what you say. Uh, uh, people see that and they just want to know what's going on. And, and people on TikTok have an opinion. So if you're doing something that's weird or controversial or anything like that, you're bound to draw more, more engagement there because people love to, well, first off, criticize. And second off, they just love to voice their opinion. So mm -hmm. I, every time I go out surfing now, after I come out of the water for about 10 minutes or so, I'll do a bunch of TikToks. I try to incorporate the, you know, lake surfing into TikTok trends if it's possible. And it's been a good tool and it's completely on brand for me because that's what I do. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, that's kind of what Whaley is. So it's, it's all kind of just organically worked out in that sense i didn't plan it really too much but it just kind of happened you are perpetuating the uh polar vortex stereotype to people you know that right <laughs> uh -huh. to people that yeah. are canadian they're like oh god is that normal is that every day like what season is it <laughs> yeah yeah i do exaggerate it a bit it's fun you got to do that for the tiktok people they got to wonder gotta do it I have so many ideas on the go all the time. And it's the most frustrating thing about COVID is like you get an idea for a video or some sort of content thing, like a live session in a cool spot. You can't go do it. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if you want to, it's get you, it's going to be like this very strategically planned out thing. And there's always extra costs involved. That's one thing I'm really looking forward to is just freedom in that sense, where when I get an idea, I could just go out and do it. And uh, yeah, two would definitely be shows. Like I, I haven't played any in-person shows for Whaley yet. We've done one live stream at our local surf shop here, but um, I'm really looking forward to getting out and playing with a full band for Whaley and just doing some awesome festivals and, and meeting all these people that I've, I have on TikTok now. We have an EP coming out. Um, we've recently this year just signed with a, a label in Winnipeg called Birthday Cake. And I signed to new management and publishing. So it all kind of just came together and uh, we're finally doing it. So we actually have a new single coming out on the 26th of February. Oh, awesome. Um, yeah. And then the EP is going to follow that. So I, I could say that much right now. Effectively, it's impossible to try and predict musical trends. Even as major labels look to algorithms to attempt to find the new act on the cusp, the medium this new act will break on is ultimately unknowable. Technological changes move exponentially faster and faster and faster every year. Though it took about 50 years for the music industry to move from the 7-inch single to mass-market radio to CDs, It's only taken 20 years for the format to move swiftly from the CD to the legally and illegally downloaded MP3, to the iPods, iTunes, digital and internet radio, streaming, and now to the quick hits of TikTok. Remember when Snapchat was the new unbeatable social app model? Even that is partially responsible for shaping the way we consumed media. Or maybe you used Vine. That's a throwback. And although Snapchat certainly had its day, TikTok is the new tool to get your 15 seconds of fame. Radio used to be such a great option for mass marketization because it spoke to the people in the 20th century where they were, which was their cars. The modern radio format still applies to these rules laid out in the 1970s. Your audience is going to be in their cars on average 5 to 20 minutes, so every 20 minutes you need to play a song, do a station ID, give a traffic update, and have an ad break. TikTok, like all social media apps, appeals to this exact same thing in a 21st century context. Grab people's attention where they are, which is on their phones. And the thing that has changed the most is that instead of 5 to 20 minutes, that pocket that you had with people in their cars, now you've got about 5 seconds to prompt engagement, or you lose it. This rapid-fire effect forces artists and producers to catch their audience super quickly. Remember that Eric Clapton song, starting with the chorus? It doesn't work anymore. You've got to lead with the best five-second clip you've got and hope the consumer likes it enough to stick around for more. It may sound all doom and gloom, but the upside is anybody, no matter their background or experience, can gain and interact with an audience and ultimately make it big. TikTok enables. Amazing things can happen literally overnight. It's this exposure that is connecting audience to artists and then artists to labels. 
leading a cycle of even more and better production of TikTok-friendly music. Now, evidently, this phenomenon has grown up under the umbrella of COVID-19, when audiences are even more connected to their devices, either doom-scrolling or alternatively looking for an escape. The question remains, does this trend continue as vaccinations are rolled out and an antsy group of music fans return to concerts and live events? TikTok enables connections and relies on produced music. Does that translate to a concert selfie with a ton of ambient noise in the background? Uh, Only time will tell. But one thing that will remain is our urge to create and share music together, no matter the climate, no matter the medium. Warm thanks goes out to Jessia, Whaley, Devo D, and Jeff Kuluwik for their time and sharing their successes with us. This program was produced by Craig Clemens, Regan McDonnell, Tony Young, and myself. Images by Andre Grant, social media by Roomjoom Jigga, and I'm your host, Laura McInnes-Ray. Hope you enjoyed the program. Stay safe, and we'll be together again at shows in no time. You've been listening to Beneath the Rhythm, an Arx Music podcast.